Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, the off-season of the off-season is actually here. We are in the dark for, I guess, the next five weeks. Not like Aaron Rodgers in the dark, but... We're gonna have we're gonna have a little light on. We're, we're gonna have a little light on in the dark. We're gonna have some fun with it. And uh, if you tuned into our last podcast last week, uh, we are going to be doing our Bengals top twenty-five players entering twenty twenty-three. And like I said, you guys know who number one is, but we're gonna count from the top starting at number twenty-five. And today we are talking about Lyle Collins, who Andrew, Mike, and myself voted on, uh, just as we voted on the other twenty-four players. Uh, he is at number 25. We're going to talk about why he's at 25, why he could have been higher, why he barely made the cut, and much more. Welcome into a special top 25 edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad and Mike Nislik and Andrew Gillis here with you after the long holiday weekend. And speaking of the weekend, uh, we want to let you guys know that if you haven't already over the weekend, make sure you let us know why you're a Bengals fan. Go to strictlystripes.com. And click on the form that says, why well, I'm a Bengals fan. Fill out the Google Doc form. Or if it's easier, you can send us an email directly at stripes at cleveland.com. We're actually going to read our first response uh, later in the show after we talk about Lyle Collins. Uh, but make sure you do that if you haven't already because we're going to keep reading some responses and maybe have one of our respondents on the pod at some point this summer. So make sure you do that. Okay, so uh, like I said, we uh, ranked all the guys. We got to Lyle Collins at number 25. And before we get into it, I'm just curious. I'll, I'll say whether I had him at 25 or not. But when you guys made like your individual list before we made our collective list, did either of you guys like actually have Lyle Collins at number 25? No, he did not get any votes other than Andrew. Um, but mm. he was the highest up out of the um, – on players that only had one vote. Um, I think the other people that got one were Travion Williams and Brad Robbins. So that's I right. One kind of I had Brad group, Robbins, but, um, but Andrew had him at a, at 24, I believe. So he ended up getting, you know, we did a point system. So he ended up at uh, 25. Yes, that, it was a point system. Good clarification. That's pretty much how we got to the conclusion. But Andrew, I guess I'll have to jump to you then. Cause I didn't realize it was you. Uh, so you had him uh, on that list at 25. What was your reasoning and justification behind that? I'm just curious. Yeah, you know, um, you know, kind of like Mike said, you know, I, I you look at the list. Uh, I thought it was pretty simple, pretty self-explanatory. I had, um, you know, I I had uh, Evan McPherson kind of in the in the in the top 22. Um, I had offense and defense in the top 22, and then I had Leo Collins at 24. So. You know, I kind of had him as my, I guess you could say, first off the bench. Um, you know, I had him ranked above Miles Murphy. I had him ranked above uh, Charlie Jones. I had him ranked above DJ Turner. Um, I'm trying to think, Brad Robbins, Trayvon Williams. Like I, the the reason that I did was because you know I think when you look at some of these guys, you know, that were on the list, and like 
you know, I, I just I would have had a problem ranking Lael behind a Brad Robbins who has not played in an NFL game yet, or behind a Miles Murphy who has not played in an NFL game yet. Um, you know, it's just we, we haven't really seen those guys. Um, I think if we were to do a top twenty five Bengals of you know of September, if we were to do this list in October, uh, I would bet you Lael Collins would certainly not be on it for me. Um, it's just right now, I, I, I really had a hard time kind of ranking some of the rookies behind him, um, or excuse me, some of the rookies ahead of him, just because you look at the list and I don't know, I, I, I think that Collins, you know, when he was healthy towards the end of the year last year, he actually started to play that, uh, pretty well, play that position pretty well. You know, his run blocking was obviously a plus his pass blocking left something to be desired. But, um, I, I just think that Collins was, uh, was steady down the stretch. And I mean, for a roster of, you know, 53 guys, I, I think that, uh, you know, 24th, 25th is fair. So before you jump in, Mike, so I want to say something about that. Cause you made an interesting point about, you know, if I was making this list later, I wouldn't have had him on, but right now I have a hard time putting the rookies ahead of him. But here, here's the thing, DJ Turner, I get, cause we don't know exactly what he's going to look like next year. What's his role going to be, but I mean, like Brad Robbins, though, and I think Mike had Travion Williams. Like, we know for a fact Brad Robbins, we can all assume, is going to be the punter. Like, I would think he's going to beat out Drew Christman if he keeps right. punting the way he is. Like, he's going to make an impact. Like, even right. if it's only for a couple times on the field, uh, hopefully you don't want him on the field too often because you want your offense to get going. But if and when he is on the field, you're going to see him do more than Lyle Collins because Lyle Collins probably is not going to start – the season healthy, he's probably going to be on the pup list, which we talked about last week with our takeaways. And even then, when he's healthy, he's going to be, I would think, behind Jonah Williams as the swing tackle. So like what Hakeem Adeniji was last year, that's going to be Lyle Collins. And I don't know how many times you're going to see the field as a swing tackle versus being a third down back like Travion Williams or a punter like Brad Robin. So I know we're not in the season, but like, I feel like just right now, though, we can already say, yeah, this is going to be Collins' role. This is what it's going to be. Like, so that's where I don't know that the timing really matters. I feel like it's it's no different now than it would be, say, like October, November. Other players, yeah. But right now, I think with Collins, that doesn't matter either way. Like, what do you think of that? I, I mean, yeah, I don't think that's the worst argument in the world. I just, I, I mean, I, I just don't know how I could, re- like, I understand Brad Robbins is going to be the punter. I just, I just can't. I we haven't seen it yet. We've seen Brad Robbins punt in in how many mini camp practices where three a bunch of dudes were like walking around basically. Like we, I haven't, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen Miles Murphy actually have to use a move on on a on an NFL offensive tackle yet. We can assume that Miles Murphy is going to be pretty good. Uh, we can assume because you know first round pick got the pedigree, got the athleticism. We can assume that Brad Robbins is going to be a pretty solid punter. You know, judging by what we've seen, it's just uh, you know, I mean, you know what they say when you assume. And I just I looked at you know some of the rookies on that list, and I was like, man, you know, I just I don't see it. And if Collins can play as he did at the end of the season, because the Bengals are not going to get through a year with five offensive linemen through seventeen regular season games. Through however many playoff games they're going to play, you're not going to play five offensive linemen the whole time. You're going to have to dip into that. And I kind of look at that as, I mean, I, I mean, frankly, I, you know, Trevion Williams, like I look at him like another example. Yeah, we've seen what he, what he can do, 
but Trevon Williams might be the third running back on this team. I just, you know, I think Leo Collins actually has a shot to, you know, to, to really step up and, and really be a pivotal, pivotal depth piece on this team, you know, considering just the attrition that happens on the offensive line. Mike, what do you make of all of this? I get what Andrew's saying. I, I think that the expectation, though, for Miles Murphy is that he will be uh, the first person off the bench for the defense. Um, and I'm not sure if Lael Collins will be the first person off the bench for the offense. Um, I think that's is an assumption in terms of where his health is, how that um, offensive line competition shakes out. Like, I think it just can easily as easily be Jackson Carmen. And so I, I just hesitated um, with um, the idea of putting him ahead of Murphy because I thought Murphy was like, you know, surefire going to play and have a significant role you know, within 400 snaps without somebody having to have an injury. So that's what, you know, did it for me um, in that case. And in terms of Travion Williams, I think he'll be the backup. And again, I think that he has sort of a guaranteed carved out role where I, I sort of question that for, for Collins. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense too. And like, if I'm just looking at my list, like my personal list that I put together, like I had, so I had Miles Murphy at 24, whereas I know, like you mentioned, you had him at uh, 23 and Andrew had him at 25. Yeah, like he's going to see the field more <laughs> than Lyle Collins. Like, I think you could even say like a lot of other guys, and I don't want to get too specific because I don't want to give any like hints away to the rest of the guys on our list, but like, there's just so many more guys on the list who will see the field more, who will do more. And like, I'm going to be honest with you, like who I think are not just like better. I know it's hard to compare like a wide receiver to an offensive tackle. Like that's a little bit of a etchy argument, which you still have to make because you're making the top 25. But in terms of Lyle Collins, one thing you said, Andrew, that I'm not sure about. So you said he was kind of steady down the stretch. I mean, so I get it. We're not necessarily basing it off of like 2022 performance as much as what we think they can do in 2023. But I saw I mean, a lot. Use, like, you, have to, you have to use that to kind of tell you about what's going to happen. But to an extent, sure. But, but what I'm saying is like, I don't know that in the first, maybe this is a little bit unfair, but like the first four or five weeks, I don't know that he showed me enough to say that like, this guy is a solid, surefire you know, right tackle. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly don't think he's going to be on the team past next year. Like, even if he's healthy, even if he's a swing tackle, I don't really see a case where you keep him because let's say, okay, Jonah Williams does his year, 50-year option, probably walks from what we've kind of talked about. I don't see them putting Lyle Collins back at right tackle. I think they're just going to probably cut him and either go into free agency or draft the right tackle at that point. So well, that's I don't even know... Well, I was going to say that's good. We're not ranking the 2024 Bengals then, right? Right. But like, if you know, this guy's not like even that much of a long-term asset, is it really worth putting him on the top 25 long term? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in terms well, of like, I mean, because he's like, cause he's not good enough is what I'm saying in terms of like that kind of long-term. Well, I mean, he's a, he's a 20, I mean, this is a 2023 list. So, you know, I, long-term, I, I frankly, I didn't care about, um, you know, I think when you, when you talk about, well, Collins, I I think that, you know, if we had seen kind of the inverse, like you were saying, you know, yeah, he struggled early on. Um, you know, I, I remember there was a really bad uh, miscommunication in Dallas, you know, where I think Michael Parsons just kind of came off the edge on block. That was Lael's job, very clearly Lael's job. 
Um, you know, obviously there were there were kind of those those mix ups early on, and you saw those problems early on. If you were to flip his season, you know, maybe where you know he was playing, you know, okay to start, playing pretty steady to start, you know, a part of an offensive line that that has you know that was pretty solidified as the year went along. If, if if that was the unit that starts, and then you get the Lael Collins of week one, two, three, if you get that Lael Collins towards the end of the season, then yeah, then then I would have a problem with this, and and I would, I mean, he wouldn't be on the list. We wouldn't be talking about him right now. I just thought he did get better, and you know, if you're talking about a guy who, I mean, if he can come back after a month, six weeks, I I, I still think uh, you know right now you have to put him there just because. You know, you're doing projections for guys that you know we don't know. We we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I think the long term stuff sort of doesn't matter with this list since it's for 2023. Um, but I think you're underestimating sort of his physical state. You know, in terms of like exactly. Xavier Mugier, uh and uh, Jonah Williams, we saw them. I don't know, moving a lot better. Um, you know, yep. Particularly in case, he looked. Um, very ready for sort of, you know, full go, whereas Lael Collins has posted some videos of himself, but he did very little in sort of the viewing windows that we mm-hmm. saw. Um, so, you know, I, I think it is, you know, you, you talk about questions in terms of what Miles Murphy can do. You know, he's cut, you know, Lael Collins had a bad tear. So, um, you know, there I, I think there are questions, Mark. And I mean, this is, a, this is at that point of the list where there are going to be question marks because, you know, you're past the starters. But uh, for me, it was just too much to overcome to try to try to give him give him a spot. Yeah, like that's that's what I was actually about to say. Like you beat me to it, Mike. Like okay, maybe if I'm being harsh about his talent, which I actually do want to get to that in a second. Like he's coming off a pretty serious injury, and his came you know pretty late in the year compared to Chidobi Awuzier, who's obviously doing a lot better. Who I think is going to be ready for training camp and probably week one. But like we can make a pretty safe bet of saying that like he's he being Collins probably won't be ready for training camp and certainly won't be ready uh, for week one. And even when he's back, when he's healthy and the doctors and the trainers clear, him, like, is he adverse? Like, is he risk averse to any injuries? I don't know. Like once you get those injuries, like it's not uncommon for guys to like kind of have those lingering issues. And on top of all of that, like if, you know, we remember last year before he even got hurt, like he had a veterans rest day. Like he was already taking, I think it was usually Wednesdays where he just did not practice. Um, and I think occasionally DJ reader did, but I mean, Lyle Collins pretty much every week, every Wednesday had that day off up until his injury, obviously. So he's already kind of being limited in practice. Having the injury doesn't help. He's going to be 30 this year. Like there's just not a lot of good things trending his way going into next year. Even if, I'm looking too far ahead past next year. I just don't see a lot of good things trending his way. And that's why I was hesitant uh, to put him on that list. There's certainly a case. I do hear what Andrew is saying. Like Mike and I agree on that. I just don't know if it's enough of a case for me uh, to put him at 25. But I do want to look at some PFF numbers, though, since Andrew, you said he got better down the stretch. So compared to like the first eight weeks, yeah, he actually did do better. Like his grades blocking wise were like 57. 50, 56, and then at the end of the year, he was kind of averaging that like 67 to 70 range. But here's the thing, though. 2019 in Dallas, 86. 2020, I don't think he played. 2021, 80. Last year, 57. So even if he did get better down the stretch, which I agree with, he's still 
had a pretty big drop off from his last year in Dallas. So you don't think the drop off will get worse going into next year when he's healthy? We're gonna find out. Um, no, I, you know, and you know, I, you know, the the PFF grades are one thing. I mean, we all have eyes. We all kind of saw him struggle in, um, you know, in pass protection. We all kind of saw him, you know, play actually pretty well. I thought in the run game. Um, you know, well, I I never really believe players when they say this is the healthiest I've been or this is the the best I've ever felt in my entire career. You know, I I have just never kind of never kind of given that any thought because every player would say that every year, you know, oh, that I tried to do this, this off season, and now I feel great. Or I've been, I changed up this or changed up that. Um, so I, I mean, we'll see, um, you know, obviously the back stuff with Collins was, was lingering, you know, if, if you can get it, but I do think if, if he can come back healthy at, at some point decently early in the season, you know, you're, you're probably talking about, I mean, cause we're talking about the 25th guy in our list here. You know, we're not, we're not exactly talking about, you know, number 11, you know, if you can get good quality depth performance out of this guy, I think you're feeling good about it. And, uh, you know, frankly, I, I think he's, um, you know, I mean, it, it, Jackson Carmen was another option for me here, but you know, I just think, really, Colin, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, look, cause it, I mean, you already kind of <laughs> heard my explanation for, for rookies, you know, Charlie Jones, I had a hard time putting him up there. Chase Brown, who I think is going to be their RB2, hard time. Miles Murphy, DJ Turner, like I just kind of had a hard time putting those guys in there. So then who are you talking about? You know, you, you, Sidney Jones, um, Joseph Osai, like those are the kind of players that you're, you're talking about. So I, I just think that if, you know, presuming that Collins is going to play, which again, it might not be a uh, – you know, it, it might not be a slam dunk. I, I just think you're going to get the the best level of production out of him. Jackson Carmen, that's that's an interesting one. I mean, I don't even know if he's going to play next year because, of course, it depends on like how he does in training camp and where they put him. But bold options. And, well, he's, that's well, why Carmen I like, I like that. Start though. the year. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Carmen is going to start the year. You know, if Collins, let's say he has to start on the pup list or something, if if Carmen's, if if the Bengals are going to start Jonah Williams at right tackle, Carmen is going to probably be that sixth swing tackle. You know, I would, I would probably wager a lot of money that he's your first guy to kind of move to left or right tackle, um, depending on how much you want to upset the apple cart. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, Carmen. Carmen, I think, kind of has him has him beat right now. I, I am curious. You know, let's say week nine rolls around and Jonah Williams separates his shoulder and needs a few weeks. Who do they go to at right tackle? We'll see. We shall see. Well, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we have lots of great submissions from uh, our listeners as to why they're a Bengals fan. We are going to read one of them and uh, talk about it because this is actually a very interesting response that I think actually elicits a great discussion. Uh, but we'll have that when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. All right. Thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. We talked about Lyle Collins being number 25 on our top 25 Bengals going into 2023. A really, really interesting discussion that I think Depending on how the rest of these go, I think this will be one of the most interesting ones because a lot of provocative thought went into this one. Before we get into reading our first 
response as to why one of our listeners is a Bengals fan. I want to remind you guys to sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter by going to cleveland.com slash newsletters and sign up for our Cincinnati Football Insider subtext service, which you're probably wondering, what is there to text people about in the offseason? A lot, like our top 25 rankings we're doing, getting people's thoughts and opinions on that, which those opinions we bring up on the podcast here, like that drives our discussion. So you want to help drive the discussion? Go for it. We give our predictions and our takes you know, ahead of training camp because it's going to be here in no time. July 26th will be here in no time. We give our takes on that, and you can give us your takes, which, like I said, drives the podcast. Uh, so make sure you sign up for that. It was It is well worth your time. So I am reading this response. I'm pulling it up here. It is from Phil Mast, who is the owner of Mops and Muscles Complete Cleaning, LLC. That I actually like that, Mops and Muscles. That That's a good name. So I'm going to read the response here, word, word for word here. Just stumbled upon the article. Not sure how I missed it. So I got to tell you why I'm a Bengals fan. I always tell people because I'm a front runner. Well, kind of. I grew up in... N.E. Ohio, Northeast Ohio, okay, Browns territory, and a small town called Garrettsville, and my family loved the Browns. Case in point, I was in the third grade in the late 80s when I got into football, and my best friend was a huge 49ers fan, and since it was Bengals-Niners in the Super Bowl that year, all I heard from him was everything 49ers because I wanted to be different. I staked my claim to be uh, officially a Bengals fan, plus I loved Tigers as a kid, okay, and on a recent annual this is good. On a recent annual golf trip at Northern Michigan, while playing poker with a bunch of drunk guys, a non-drunk guy informed me that, quote, a Bengal is a tiger, LOL. Shortly after becoming a Bengals fan, I got a dog, which was a beagle, and named him Boomer after Boomer Esiason. And as we can see, being a frontrunner back then totally backfired for the rest of my childhood. That was painful and what seems to be most of my adult life as well. Not anymore, though. All caps, who day. So that <laughs> that is good. That is really good. Uh, do, you, do you guys think a Bengal – so a Bengal is a tiger, right? I know it's a silly question, but is a Bengal actually a tiger? I think, right? Yeah. I'm not a what, – what's the term for like people who are experts at that? I don't, I don't even know. A zoologist or whatever. Uh, that is interesting, but I, I like what he talked about with the, uh, the Bengals, Niners – uh, rivalry. I, I think I feel like those two Super Bowls in the 80s, in, in 81 and in 88, which were both against Montana, the first one in the old Silver Dome that doesn't exist, and the second one in Miami, I feel like that actually got a lot of people into the Bengals. Like you talk about Boomer, he won MVP. I think, yeah, the, the Bengals were kind of a bandwagon team back then until they, they fell off in the 90s. And you, you sort of see that parallel now, like where obviously you got Joe Burrow, you've got like these likable guys uh, where you have like this bandwagon team essentially to some people, I would think. But the the thing I wanted to really zoom in on was like Bengals 49ers. If you really think about it, like I know we talked about this a little bit, like the year the Bengals played the Rams in the Super Bowl, it was very close to being a Super Bowl 23 rematch with the 49ers. Like, and it almost happened again last year if the Bengals beat the Chiefs and if uh, the 49ers beat the Eagles in Philadelphia with with or without Brock Purdy on their fourth quarterback. So I don't know. Like I'm just trying to think here. Like if the Bengals had played the Niners two years ago in L.A. in the SoFi Stadium, like how could you have seen that game going? Like, like do you think that would have actually been a better Super Bowl than the one we saw with the Rams? 
Well, I, I think, you know, you asked kind of a similar question like a week or so ago, you know, what would have happened if, um, the Bengals you know, played it, the Eagles. Yeah. I, I, again, I mean, we're talking about a Super Bowl that, I mean, the winning touchdown was scored with how many minutes left in the game? And it, like, it, I mean, it changed the game. It, it changed the lead. A minute it, 12 to go. Yeah. So it was a minute left or whatever. And, you know, that, that, that touchdown happens. The Bengals get to midfield, only needing a field goal where you probably need like 10 yards to try an Evan McPherson game tying kick. Yeah, it's just I mean that game was so exciting. It's it's just hard to beat. I have a hard time saying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean what ifs? I mean I don't know. I mean maybe, but maybe it would have been a much worse game. Who knows? Could have been. So maybe uh compared to a what if, maybe sort of looking ahead, do you think there's a good chance both teams meet in the Super Bowl this year? I, I think there is. At the very least, I think both teams get back to the AFC championship. Or I should say, have a good chance of getting back to the AFC NFC championship games. Um, <laughs> Brock yeah, Purdy I, I, versus I, I, Joe Burrow. We'll see what the decision at quarterback, um, you know, for the 49ers, how that works out. I mean, they're banking on on Purdy coming back from injury and obviously being, uh, you know, kind of replicating what he did for them last year. I think there's some risk in that, but um, they obviously have talent around him. Um, you know, traded for Christian McCaffrey last year. Um, so we'll see. Which I loved. I don't know. Pardon? Which I loved that. I, I think that was a great move for them getting CMC. Okay. And then, so, you know, <laughs> I, I just think it will base, you know, basically come down to what happens at quarterback. So speaking of which, so I don't know if you saw this. This was a while back, but I never asked you all about this. So Greg Papa, uh, he is the voice of the San Francisco 49ers. He was saying... He's banking on putting Brandon Allen, who, as you guys know, played for the Bengals behind Joe Burrow the last few years. He's banking on them, making him the backup behind Purdy and trading away Trey Lance. Now, we saw little to nothing from Brandon Allen last year, I think, except the the Carolina game where he played in garbage time. I mean, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, nothing against Brandon Allen, but I mean... Trey Lance is still a first round pick and like they got Sam Darnold as well, who he, I mean, I don't know. I could see Sam Darnold being ahead of Brandon Allen on the depth chart. Like, could this guy actually be Brock Purdy's backup? Like, I don't know. That's just because there's a Bengals connection there. I don't know what you guys think of that. I mean, you can I mean, just like a value for Lance and try to, yeah. you know, get assets for now. So um, I, I don't see any problem with that. No, Andrew. Yeah, I mean their their quarterback situation is just so weird. I I don't even know what so to make of weird. it. I mean, just the fact that like I mean, this is nothing against Brock Purdy. I actually think like he is in the driver's seat to be the starter, assuming like he's healthy with his elbow. Like I just still can't believe they went as far as they did with their yeah their third string backup because what you lose Garoppolo, you lose Lance, or I guess it was a reverse order, but you lose both of them basically, and then. Yeah, that is just weird to me, which I guess is a reflection of how good of a coach Shanahan is and how good their defense was and still is. And, you know, the playmakers they have like George Kittle and CMC, like I mentioned, but it's like a weird, good team. They are a weird, good team. That's the best way I can describe that situation. But yeah, since you mentioned quarterback, it reminded me of Brandon Allen because, yeah, there's always a Bengals connection somehow. Uh, but we are going to have another awesome top 25 discussion. Uh, we already revealed number 24 on our list, and that is Miles Murphy. We're going to talk about Miles Murphy tomorrow. 
we talked about a little bit today, uh, whether he's ranked too high or too low, what that means for everyone else, and much more. But once again, for myself and the mic, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you on Wednesday.